We've decided that because these episodes are just so content rich, that it's a bit too much to do a solo episode and a career catch up in one weekly episode. So instead, to ensure that we maximise the sugar babe potential that we are giving you, we are releasing them as double episodes once a fortnight. So what that means is Every two weeks, you will get two big old episodes. One of them will focus exclusively on the solo career of a sugar babe. And one of them will focus on that transitional period between that sugar babe leaving or joining. We think that means if you love sugar babes as a whole, you can listen to that. And if you love solos, you can listen to that. So anyway... Here is your second Siobhan episode. Then in two weeks time, on the 27th of September, we will be back with the Angels With Dirty Faces album and Heidi's solo career. You're listening to Pod of the Pops. The podcast reliving and reloving your pop culture moments. Season two, The Sugar Babes. Guess what, solo girls? It's all about you now. Get it, this is a single. So where we just left it, Siobhan has come out of the toilet. She has gone back to the UK in this state of depression. Bless her. So young. In hindsight, they've said, they've all sort of said, they wish someone had just sat them down together to talk things through, that they were young and there was outside influences. And, and you they know that feeling, like that sinking for feeling reals. and probably the paranoia that's coming with that if they don't yeah. have this... You know, it's like I need a Blyton book or something, isn't it? They that? just needed support. Language. They just needed, like, somebody in a counselling capacity to just be like, guys, you're going through a stressful thing. Let's just work this out. But you wonder as well, like, some of that is, like, rose-tinted glasses. Do you think Keisha's saying that because she's like, Jesus, after a Mel Siobhan was a treat. Like, you don't know. <laughs> once she knows what it's really like out there, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either way, the first thing that happens to poor old Siobhan is she gets sued for breach of contract by her oh. former manager. What for leaving? Right, so I'm not sure. Detective Aaron got on his monocle and magnifying glass and could not find anything but passing references. I was expecting to go full Ali McBeal here, be reading like law reviews, yep. journals, Emma Elwin's pink suit on. <laughs> Popjection, Your Honour. Popjection. But alas, nothing. I, th- I think it is for that, for going... I imagine they must be under a contract. Yeah. So when she left yeah. in the middle of a promotional tour, I mean that yeah. must have cost money. Yeah, a lot of she money. She wouldn't have had any money. She was sixteen. No, but the, she was earning them money. She owed them the money she promised them through her presence. Could she not just say, "I'm on a break"? No. A no. twelve-year no. toilet break. No. I'm happy in a fag. No, no the bathroom she... window. <laughs> <laughs> well, she initially says that she wants to pursue a fashion career but is eventually diagnosed with clinical depression, as mm-hmm. you point out. And she says, at that point, I was happy never to work again. I got to the point where I'd look in the mirror and not know who I was. And let's remember, 17 years old. 17 year olds. Honestly, reading this, I was a bit like, God, that's... But then, I probably felt like that at 17, but didn't know it. Yeah. And wasn't two years later trying to promote an album and having to talk about it. Yeah. So I'd lost my identity. I felt like a zombie, a dead person. She believes some of it was exacerbated by Roaccutane, um, an effective acne drug, but with dramatic side effects thought to include severe depression. Oh. Makes it worse. She says, like, after she left, no one called her. Like, didn't check in a couple months later. Like, not just, like, the girls. But management. Yeah. The drivers, her Mm. label, the minders. I imagine they, because they were teenagers, they were like still doing schooling while yeah. they're on tour. Yeah. So not even like the people there. Like imagine you've had, so from 1998, she left what, 2001? Yeah. Three years, three formative years of your life, you're doing this crazy adventure. Yeah. And then you leave because you're, what did she say she was? A zombie, a dead person. That, and no one even calls you. That maybe just shows you how ruthless the music, you know, the music, you know. They were just like children. One, once she wasn't useful to them, they were just like, okay, next. Yeah. Thank you, next. That was it. <laughs> Thank you, next. Yeah. Which makes you sometimes wonder, I wonder if they had a few more years to develop. Yeah. How that sound could have come on. Oh, guys, it still hurts my heart. Yeah. How amazing that first album was and how 
the sound that they, the direction they could have gone the second album. Because yeah. this is something I want to talk about. She says, all those photos of us refusing to smile. Because that's what the Sugar Babes were known for. This like moody, sultry. never smiling. Sultry, yeah. Yeah. All those photos of us refusing to smile. I was just really pissed off. I was <laughs> 17. I mean, the other girls have said, like Keisha and Matera have had say, like, we didn't smile because we were 14, 15. Like, you just didn't smile in pictures when you're that age. Yeah. yeah. But I don't even know if kids do that age now. Well, they're all on Instagram, aren't they? Well, so they're not emo anymore. It's a very yeah, different... Yeah, but it was, it, was, it was cool to be moody. But like... we weren't taking pictures of ourselves at that age. You didn't know what your face looked like in a picture. You hadn't perfected your pose. You didn't know to stick your chin out or turn slightly to the side. Yeah, but yeah. if you look at people of that... Their album kids... camera is a test shot for them. Yeah, <laughs> if, you, if you look at people like, gar- you know, you've got garbage, you've got... Uh, Avril Lavigne, that that was the thing that was in, you know that. Yeah, they were a bit late. Well, garbage was on that time, but yeah, Avril was a, a year a later. Bit later. Yeah, but that was you know what was considered to be cool, I guess. But there's also there's a slight feminist thing in here as well about smiling. Like, would you be saying that about boy bands or oh, they weren't smiling? No, you wouldn't no. say that at all. Whereas so. this is like, oh, go on, give us a smile, love. Uh-huh. Well, because they're young, they should be like so happy. Smile, it might never happen, darling. Yeah, no, screw that. I was um walking out the other night in a, a gay bar and someone said that to me give a smile might never happen and I lost my mind I didn't uh, I held myself together I was like you're not giving me anything to smile about but I was thinking imagine if I was a girl and that was happening all the time I was like I can see why women are angry yeah so what happens is actually London Records their label drop the sugar babes yeah but keep Siobhan you wonder, was that the big plan all along? No. Well, hmm, I've never thought of that. But the industry have always raved Siobhan. She is a little bit potential, babe. Like, the what she could have been. The yeah. industry always put her forward. So with their first record, Overload, yeah. it was produced by Cameron McVeigh, who worked on them a lot with the album, One Touch, insisted that Siobhan sing the lead. I mean, was she's got, that she she's got a beautiful voice. She does. It's very soulful. But like, Mutia? But they all they all do. That's the thing. I struggle to think of a band where there's. No, oh, I can't, how do you say that? What you're trying to say you're is trying that to say there's you... five, there's five, four or three lead vocalists in the same way. Yeah. I instantly say to you, Destiny's Child. Don't pour Michelle me. I say to you, Little Mix. Okay. Wait, no. What? I'd talking? say to you, Atomic Kitten are equally shit. <laughs> so I, th- I think the Sugar Babes are all of equal vocals, as in they don't all sound the same, but they have equal the power. Strength. Yeah, the strength. Yes, they're incredible singers, all individually and collectively. Yeah. Okay, you've got Destiny's Child. I agree. Yes, Little Mix. Yes, but they came out obviously a lot later. Yeah. Oh, at the time. Destiny's Child are there. I mean, yeah. if you look at the likes of Girls Aloud, I know they came a little bit later, but you know that one or two um, good. Who are you saying there? Oh, I think Sarah on the, the GMTV. Oh, she has one bad note, and suddenly, Pretty she horrendous. was the Mel C. No, she did all the belters. She did all the belts. Even Spice Girls, you know, you didn't always have such strong vocalists. In I there. see what you mean. So she stays on London Record. She shares the same management as Blur and Morchiba. So it's um, credentials. Yeah, that is credentials. Much more mature. And I think you were right what you were saying earlier. Massive Attack. Were well, they on there yeah, as well? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Well, as such, she does some backing vocals for Machiba and a couple of other bands. So she's not really super working, yeah. but she's still doing some stuff. They're using her voice. Yeah. And it's that same producer from One Touch, Cameron McVeigh, who begins producing her first album. He is actually Nina Cherry's husband. Oh, oh really? Full Heritage. So, well, actually, it's a father and son producer. So it's him and Marlon Rudette. Right. So, but she co-writes on everything on that first album. And it's him that really drags her out uh, to go back in. Like, oh, come mess around on this. Let's come write and see if we can get anywhere. I think because of the depressive state that she's in Mm. and, you know, the poor experience maybe she's had with leaving the Sugar Babes. Yeah. God, thank God Twitter wasn't around there. She really would have got a roast in. Yeah. Or she could have done the roasting. Yeah, I suppose. There would have been drama, nevertheless. for her to express on. So, in her, she starts her early work and she still very much wants to be distanced from Sugar Babes and Siobhan Donaghy. So she undergoes all her early work under an alias. Shanghai Nobody. So very... I feel like it's such a teenage thing to do. Is you're like, I'm going to go for this really obscure... But it is an know, anagram. Yeah, do you know what it's uh, an anagram of? Her, her name. 
Oh. Yeah. Well, you got that really quick. <laughs> I was like, I've got some juicy. Which is quite clever, really. Yeah. Who knew she could do anagrams? I bet she's a bitch at Sudoku. <laughs> like, bam, 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 bam. Sudoku is numbers, darling. I know. I do it on my phone every day. <laughs> he loves the Sudoku. But this is what I thought was really cute. So she's, she goes around touring pub venues in a transit van oh, under her. her name, Shanghai Nobody. Oh, so she's really trying to get back to, you know... It's so grassroots. Yeah. It's the crazy fun of it all. Like, yeah. you know, as a stand-up comic, um, that's what we did. Like, especially in the early days, it'd be like five or six of us in a car. You'd be driving some dead-end gig in the middle of nowhere. And yeah. like, we're still friends, those people that did that now. Yeah. And like, some of them have gone on to like really great TV stuff. And we still have those same jokes. Like, I will always call Darren Harriet Fat Legs Darren. Because there was one time he was sat in the middle with his legs dick spread across the back seat and me and Harriet are like pressed against the windows man spreading dick spread did I just make that up yep keeping it well she releases her first promo single under this name Shanghai Nobody nothing but song she didn't want to be seen as the girl who left sugar babes which I guess makes sense yeah she's she's more music than fame was that fame fame Fame, what Australian accent. Fame. I know I didn't know what that word was. Fame. Wow. Well, you pronounce your words as you tell us Scottish folk. Thank Rrr. you. So she goes on to make the album. It's a small team co-writing. So each of the 12 tracks on the album were written by Sorry, I don't know. I don't really know my producers. No, me but I'm just trying to give the idea of it's a small camp working okay. on it. Right. And it's entirely produced by Cameron McVeigh, who worked on Overload. So we get the album Revolution in Me. The idea is she's revolving around from herself of being the sugar babe into whatever it is she is. But and also what's, what's overcoming rem- depression. Definitely. And what's pretty remarkable is here she's still only like 18 or so. You know, she's still young. Yeah. So she releases her first single, The Underrated Overrated, mm-hmm. on June 2003, which peaked at number 19. Which is how old she is at the time? Right. Ah. Dare I say not to be sniffed at? <laughs> Can you guys stop saying that? Listen, I've not gross. said a single thing. Yeah, but now that Aaron keeps saying it, we're all going to say it. Yep. It just sounds weird. I'm for it. I like this song. I, so I have this album. I was full low-key obsessed. Is that, this song's good. I like it. And her vocal sounds great. Is that guitar in the background? Is Christina Aguilera going to use that on a hit later? <laughs> it's very Natalie and Julia. You know, yes. that angsty, yes, definitely. violiner. I've got lost to say. Oh, did she steal a look from Britney Spears' Instagram? Oh that washed off eyeliner that's all around her eyes? Oh, no. It's her first and only song to hit the top 20. I it's mean, her first and only song, the end. <laughs> that people know about. It was, I mean, it was A-listed on BBC's Radio 1 radio station. Okay. That's pretty high profile. Yeah. The Daily Record described, her second stab at success is certain to be more fulfilling for everyone. That's a Scottish newspaper. And they clearly can't be trusted. (laughs) We would get two, well, we get one more single. So we're at two years after she's left. We get a second single called Twist of Fate. Yeah. Which she describes as the more commercial song. <laughs> Are you joking? Well, this is this album, Soul Sound. She didn't really want to make it. Right. But the label are like, it's such a please, can you song. go write us a hit? Something for radio. Yeah. And I disagree. It's it, like they're trying to force it. Like it's not. It's tricky, isn't it? But then sometimes you'll get a huge hit. Like, you know that, I don't want, is it Sarah Bareilles who did that? I want to write you a love song. Right, Because yes. you asked for it. Yeah. So it's like a huge hit. Yeah. Arguably gave her a career. And that was because the label going, can you just go and write a bloody love song for radio? Yeah. She's like, I won't. But here it is. <laughs> yes. Peaks at number 52. So what do the label know? Yeah. We were due a third Christmas single. Oh, God. Oh, Iodine. God. Which is a great loss. I, this song, Iodine yeah. is the title of the Christmas single. Uh-huh. Right. Oh, you don't know. This song is bananas. Right? Do you <laughs> want to know the lyrics? To the chorus. Please, please do. See, yep. We're like turkeys in a box. Our feathers all plucked off. And we're all ready for Christmas Day. Here's the paradox. We're like presents all wrapped up. And we can't wait for you to give us away. What? A happy, clappy Mariah Carey dance floor number this is not. I mean, okay. 
They dropped it. I don't know why they didn't think this would be. <laughs> if their first, as the Sugar Babes, their first Christmas single didn't, you know, get past Bob the Builder, what chance did this have? Still, it's a look. It's a, it's something. Did, did she release that for Christmas? They like, didn't. They dropped it as a... Okay. The, should we talk about the album in a whole? Yeah, go for it. Well, The Guardian seemed to love it. Three-star review that read like a one. They said, <laughs> she sounded like a glass of milk and compared her to Siobhan Fehe from Banana Raba, but not kindly. Oh. Donaghy is ambivalently Catholic, which provides in a look at Ma, I'm contentious way, subject matter for the bravely titled first single, Overrated. Will I ever lose these old Catholic blues who tremulously wanders as a wispy acoustic guitar threatens to engulf her? Right. I'm guessing they didn't love it. No, no. I so I was I did love this album. So this is what two thousand and three. I remember buying it. <laughs> I remember being like, "Which will I buy, Erin? Siobhan's album or Jamelia Superstar?" <laughs> like oh. those were my two options. I bought them both, okay, but yeah. I think I had to order Siobhan's into the record store in Devon. Right. I don't think it was even. No, I remember. Ordering, yeah, that just sounds so alien, doesn't it? I mean, it? maybe at that time I would have bought it online. Maybe I don't think I've bought anything. Online. I bought Angels of Dirty Faces online. I remember I was using some website and they, they were all ten pound or something. I bet that was Play. Was it maybe that was big at the time? Yeah, I wasn't really into it, so I maybe bought it online. But I think back then, if you paid for a single as like a teenager, and you, like, you, you that tenor was a it. lot. You listened to it a lot. You had to get your money's worth. I really invested it. I had my CD mm. Walkman. That I would play on the bus going to college. Do you not still have it to go with your highlights? <laughs> <laughs> but I still put this album on sometimes. This is my Sunday album. Okay. So if it's like a Sunday morning and I've got maybe... What, and you oh, feel really depressed? No, it's got, I've got a homely vibe from it. Like the first kickoff of the first song, nothing but song, like gives me a do-do-do-do-do. It gets me in a... I like to drive to it. Okay. I mean, there's no arguing. She's, Siobhan has an incredible voice. Yeah, she I does. I just wish that this had been a more of a commercial success or she had the opportunity to make something that perhaps was, you know, as much as albums could be critically acclaimed, unfortunately, the record labels don't look at that side, do they? They just want the money and that's maybe where it fell down. Yeah, just, the songwriting just didn't match the talent, I feel like. No, I feel like the songwriting in some of this... Is like, I mean, some of it is bad, but some of it is good. So, like, I remember being as what 16, 17, I think I was 17 then. I was fully in some of the lyrics because college student Aaron thought this lyric we're all XY, XX chromosome, and the love between us is fully grown. He was like, oh my God, I'm a boss science bitch too. I totally get, I get what you're saying, Siobhan. Because I did biology. I was yeah. doing biology at college, Is that not heterosexual yes. love only? Yeah, that I is I mean, a, please, the, come like, on, like, give her a pass, it's 2003. Uh, excuse me, the Spice Girls changed their lyric and She said, one. no, I'm not having you call her out for that. <laughs> I know, it's personal. Melt my soul like you're a solvent. I could use your deep involvement. Oh, I'm pretty sure so that true. was my um MSN thing. Yes, yeah, yeah. I think that was my MSN thing for a while. Oh, oh my god. Oh, this how is, did I grow up to be who I am today? We just don't know. I also love the Spanish song Suicide. Has a Spanish section in it. Beautiful. Where she's Oh says, Jerry. She's gone, Jerry. Yeah. So are you ready for Spanish, Aaron? She says, Te gustas tu colagio? Si. ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué es mi grande? ¿Te gustas tu colagio? Sí. ¿Por qué? ¿Por qué es mi grande? ¿Te gustas tu colagio? I'm like, I did actually do Spanish at school. Do you, do you know what she's saying? It? Yeah. Yeah, she's... Translate. So she's saying, I like college. She's saying... Um, I like the people. The, the big college. The, the el gente. The gente is like the people. Like You're extremely... Yeah, you're right. So it's a conversation. It goes, do you like school? Yes. Why? Because it's very big. Oh, Do yeah, you like Randy. school? Yes. Yes. Why? Because it's very big. Do you like school? Yes. I feel what? like she just ripped this from her Spanish class. Yeah. You know, she she just finished school and she's like, oh. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'm guessing that while she was in the Sugar Babes and what? they're having private tuition, the Spanish teacher was the only one she got on with, but she didn't learn it. La- in that little documentary clip we watched earlier, around the time of One Touch, yeah. didn't she genuinely mention learning Spanish. Yeah. And then when they toured in Spain, she was like, 
oh, and I've just learned Spanish. And yeah. She said something about real. being fluent. I was like, what? <laughs> She's learning yeah. a little. Oh, God. Because I remember, because my friend Lucy, my, my best friend at college, I had the album, she didn't. And we were listening to it. And she was studying Spanish. She went into Spanish at uni as part of her law degree. Yeah. And spent like a year in Spain. And I was like, what is this? Thinking it was some really deep thing, Machico Latino style. And she was like, it's garbage shit. She's saying absolute <laughs> garbage in Spanish. So this is more of an indie singer-songwriter album. It's more melancholic. But there are some sharper, more upbeat moments. It's like a rock number I yeah. quite liked. But it's, yeah, it's by no means varied. But maybe it's more slightly aligned towards One Touch than Angels with Dirty Faces. Oh, definitely. They're For they're, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a look at it because this album limps in at 119 on the official album's chart. Ouch. Ow. And I thought to myself, why is that? Is that she just at odds with the climate of music at the time? Mm. So Detective Aaron got out his monocle and put on his magnifying glass, did some digging. Yeah. Shall I read you the top 10? Yes. So there's three new albums in the top 10 that week. Number one, Dido Life for Rent. Oh, what an album. Uh, she is someone I also saw in November. Did you? Year, yeah. Oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Only at, like one quarter full of the Glasgow Concert Hall, which is a oh, shame. Dear. But like... The Adele of her day. Yeah, the oh. Adele of her day. I mean, that album has some great songs on it. Like... I mean, it did, but I can tell you that White Flag being played at the last song at Weatherspoons every Friday and Saturday night was not appropriate. <laughs> Number two, another new album, Robbie Williams's Life at Live at Nebworth. Right. God, I struggled with that. The <laughs> that I don't know, but it's one of his famous it's live albums. Like South, it's what a big country house outside of London. He's keeping humble, keeping to his roots. It was like Germany. I was like, wow, he's going exotic. No. Third new album in the top ten, Rachel Stevens' Funky Dory. What? You've also got The Darkness's debut, R. Kelly Greatest Hit, Muse. Oh, it's mute R. Kelly. I know, hundred. Muse, Coldplay, Sting, Nickelback. So, you know, soft rock was starting. Like, around this point, it was the Killers. When did they come on the scene? I think they were about then, yeah. About this time or a little later. But it was around this time where things were moving away from... Yeah, I think Killers were 2005. So yeah. is Siobhan that out of context from this? Like, Dido, Siobhan. Mm. Like, I'm not saying they're similar, that well, they're the same, but I think it's the same. same could you not I sell guess. a Siobhan album to a Dido fan? Yes, you could, I suppose. Could you not sell a Siobhan album to a Coldplay Do fan? Do you think people knew who Siobhan was? No, she had zero press at this time. Yeah. But also, do you think people knew that, that was the sugar babe? Because I think a lot of people just think of Heidi as the, one of the original. Well, I don't think people knew the sugar babes that well from the first no. album. I remember... I remember yeah. Freak Like Me coming out and like, someone going thought... out to buy the album being like, Freak Like Me is not on it. And it's like, well, yeah, because it's the old album. Yeah. yeah. I think if you did a poll as well, a lot of people would think that was a first song, possibly. Yes. Not yeah. nowadays, because people always talk about the revolving door, so everyone's seen the... Yeah, but I think... But a lot, I think wider public, people would be like, that's when it really, they first hit the that's radar. That's when the Sugar Babes became the Sugar Babes. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, I'm loving this quote from Siobhan. I don't see why it surprises anyone that I made a great album. She is confident, babe. A humble babe. Maybe she has the critical reviews at this point. Yeah, she does, actually. Well, maybe not yeah. from The Independent. And really, what would you rather? Guardian, would you rather sorry. have critical acclaims or the big record sales? I mean, to keep you alive, you need the big record sales. Yeah. But if everyone said the album was shit, do you know what I mean? Like, the Cheeky Girls probably got really high record sales for their, well, their single yeah. or whatever. But would you want that or would you want to be critically acclaimed? This is where it really hits. She plays the new artist stage at Glastonbury. Amazing, right? right? She's on at the same time that the Sugar Babes are playing on the Pyramid stage. That's oh, no coincidence, is it? That is harsh. That's got a smart. Because if you're on at the same time as them, like anybody can't who go might watch be, them. Anyone who might have been interested in seeing her. But at this point as well, we should contextualise it. She, she's bringing out that 2003 album. Angels of Dirty Faces was 2002 and that is enormous oh, it's album one of the biggest albums of the so year. she is working with the full knowledge that she left and then they hit amazing success yeah number one number one yeah <sighs> yeah i don't know this is a fact i wasn't able to verify because i didn't bother to look <laughs> apparently the sugar babes were the first girl band to play the main stage at glastonbury really yeah first girl band mm. i don't know where i found that 
Okay. It may have been on a fake news site called the Daily Mail. Oh, I've never heard of them. Tell me more. Um, oh. It's a fan fiction but site. You think surely like the eighties, like Banana Rama, and don't know whether Glastonbury would have had girl bands on the main stage at the time. Yeah, yeah. We remember Beyonce was the first female headliner, was she? That's right. Yeah, and that was two thousand. Because it was a very much a rock. <laughs> It was a very rock festival. Yeah. Until yeah, then. I suppose. I mean, yeah. even, even having Jay-Z there was a big deal, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. That wasn't yeah. original. Yeah. Um, so there was an interview with Siobhan around the 2003 from The Guardian. I had tried to delve a bit into the, you know, the love life and see what, what was happening. There's not really that much out there because obviously at this time, you know, there was probably a lot more things in magazines, the glossy, shitty magazines. Well, let's also remember they're 15 and Siobhan is trying to learn Spanish. That is very true. But I She really f- likes her school because it's big. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she had put the- <laughs> in this interview, she said she met her boyfriend at a time called Ted May at Warner's. The and was his school company. big? I don't know if they got into that, but she- this is a direct quote from her. Right. He got into a lot of trouble for shagging me as the artist. I was 16, he was 25. Oh, what the... F- so I looked him up. I couldn't really find much about him, but I didn't look him up on LinkedIn, which I might just do just now. Yeah, but when it says she, he worked at the record company, like, was he a record company boss or did he file papers? He was I'd, 25, he filed papers. Yeah. He put the include sticker onto the album. <laughs> I'm sorry, but like... <laughs> and he couldn't even get it in line. He was always putting it over Mitch's face. But you want That's a full nine years age difference. Oh, I'm 25. with that, yeah. I'm uncomfortable with it now yes but then i also know at 17 my friend was having an affair with a driving instructor i think i found him (laughs) i think i found him yeah london managing director oh he's fit don't blame him oh let's have a look so where has he been oh he was he was an artist manager of the streets Mike oh, Skinner. hang on, 2004, so that wouldn't have been long after then all right okay oh yeah yeah warren marketing manager well he would have ended as a marketing manager in December 2004. God bless the internet. So before that, he worked in marketing. So maybe he was doing the marketing such as okay, putting I'm... the include sticker on. Let's just say, you know, we're not slagging him off or deflaming him in any way. No, it's just, we're just it thinking there's a bit of an age gap and you wonder. So at this point, her boyfriend was of two They were going together for two years. I don't know what happened after that. There's very little, little to see. Two years they're together, 16 and 25 gap. Like, I she can't even drink. So. I know. I, again, I don't no. know. There's a huge gap there. Like, t- 25, you've gap. done all your drinking or your partying. Yeah, not I, all of it, but you've done a lot of it. And she's 16, mind you, from the overrated video. She's not, she's not afraid of a party. No, that's very true. And that's all just made up, though. They're, essentially, she still is a child. Now, in my 32 years of age, I am proper, like... I'm, I'm going after these guys, going after the young women. Yeah. The way that that line made it out to me as well oh, he worked at the record company, made me think he had a position of power. Right. Yeah, I don't that, think that, that line did. When If he's working in the marketing department, I mean, he's got no power because they didn't do any marketing for Siobhan. Oh, God. <laughs> but then if she was 16, this would have been the sugar baby era. Right, yeah. Oh, even worse. He, I was 16, he was 25. While well, we're I... talking about marketing, though, there is a cute little thing about the album. Go for that. Or have you got more to say about no, him? No, no. And again, you know, we're not talking sort of bad about it there just is an age gap you're questioning I'm questioning it Lauren is not prepared to not question yeah I suppose but I guess you're thinking maybe at 16 she probably thought she was a lot older and you know that way when you are 16 you think you're just the best yeah but I'm also saying that as a child where were the people who were meant to be looking after her in that context at 16 when someone tells you you they love you you're going to believe them yeah I mean admittedly that's actually 15 but I think it holds true I'm really quoting Taylor Swift. This You can tell in the last year I've entered the top 1% of Taylor Swift listeners on Spotify. Yes, yes. So, here's a cute little marketing thing. Her forename had to be stylized to remove the omelette on the cover. Because they just didn't get it. I oh, what? The, see, I don't know, get so it, She has the omelette a, over the She o has an Irish Irish name. She's Irish. Yeah. yeah. It was also, so marketing, babe, it was released with eight additional covers. So, you know, like the liner notes, I do remember this now, but I didn't realise that what it was at the time. So the liner notes folded out and there was eight different pictures with like Siobhan Donaghy overrated the title. So you could choose your own cover for the album. Right. That's, I think that's quite forward thinking in marketing. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Taylor Swift does that all the time now. 
But they're like Instagram covers and you just pre-order the vinyl. Yeah. Forward thinking, babe. This, yeah. what was his name? Ted Mayer or something? Ted Me. Ted May. I think that was his idea. Wait a minute, we've been... <laughs> I'm suddenly giving him credit. I've upgraded him from sticking, putting the stickers on to now he designed the cover. And remember, she wasn't a sugar babes at this time, so he may not have had any. <laughs> Whatevs. You start a rumour and it turns into a fire. Have you ever anything, anything else to say about the Revolution album? It passed me by, is all I say. Oh, no. Did you feel that slap, Siobhan? But I think when you look at the artists at the time, there was such huge... There was yeah. so much going on. She'd like... maybe better off in a time like now where you can go the internet route. Yeah. Yeah. And totally. get, like, it's let people reach you. It's such a commitment to buy an album back then. I mean, I remember going into HMV or yeah. FOP. Remember FOP? And you would go in and you would literally agonise. Like, yes. Or Virgin Records. Yeah. I remember being a fan and wanting to hear more about her and it, it was hard to, do you know what we I mean? We probably could have downloaded a couple of tracks in Kazaa and quickly lost interest. I, I couldn't download it this time. If it wasn't think, in my local library. I think I was downloading and putting massive viruses on my parents' oh. laptop. I think this is before LimeWire. PC. Or oh, was it? No, LimeWire is... Yeah, yeah LimeWire time. Yeah, yeah. 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 <sighs> you were ahead in the game. You were in Devon, sorry. They since didn't reach you yet. <laughs> in what? Well, Siobhan, Siobhan is proper earthwoman, lads. So one way she differs from many other teenagers, I think, is her determination not to rush things, including a follow-up album. Okay. So she says, I'm considering doing some charity work. I'm not exactly helping the world right now. It's easy to get self-important. I've made a great record. Humble. And the rest of the time, it seems, I spend talking about myself. So I'm going to go and do something for the world. Oh, bless her. I wonder if she did the charity work, though. She, maybe oh, she had the intention. <laughs> Tell you what she wasn't doing, making an album. So, <laughs> we all have the intention. Yeah. True, true. Well, she does. She makes a few features on London record artists such as Matterfix album Sign of the Struggle and on a Morchima album Antidote. So she's doing, she's got her finger. Yeah. Which seems to be the way Siobhan always is. So from my research, yeah. I just get the impression Siobhan has never been kicked out of the London set. Yeah. But she's always at the fashion shows. She's always been sort of involved. She gets the goodie bag. Right, okay. But she's not actually, she's not really doing anything apart from existing. Well, that's the thing. There's something about Siobhan's story about living up to expectations. Right. The sort of idea of eluded potential. But then, where is that construct coming from? Because we, and I'm already aware of the tone in this, and definitely the tone when you read articles around the sugar babes, is that she's the failed sugar babe. Right. But by whose standards? Mm. By her credit at this point, and we're going to go on to talk about her second album, she has made, with the he- with help, two great albums. Right. I personally enjoyed them. She's personally proud of them. One Touch, for sure, is critically acclaimed and sells well. It's, it went gold. Yes. I think Atomic Kitten's first album went gold. Right. It just had some bigger hits on it. Yeah. I mean, there's no comparison, really. Is there? Gold is good for an gold album to good. go gold. No, but it's I mean, not bad. comparing the two, Tom I know. And... But why I'm comparing them is because they were we'd... seen as more commercially successful. Yeah, yeah, is that idea of success? I wonder if it's the length of time it took them to get gold, though. You know, if it, it kind of seems a bit like a ping pong, doesn't it? Like, so they get like a, a high chart for a single, and then the album doesn't do well, and then they get a low chart and single, and 100%. the album starts to. So maybe it's not immediate success, but you're right; it's a slow burner, and it works. Yeah. Mm. Um, All I'm saying is, we talk about it about this. Oh, she never lived up to her potential. Maybe she feels she did. I made the albums that I wanted to make. I toured the world. I went to Japan for free. Yes, I went, I went to Australia. <laughs> I saw the nicest Japanese toilet. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And she's and she's still got that. Yeah, kudos. people have different levels of success, yeah. definitely. And for an artist to be critically acclaimed is probably a thousand times, apart from paying the bills, of course, it's probably a thousand times better than just selling. And Lots how of many of us and those people writing those articles and judging her can have reached that level? Is yeah. Well. I mean, imagine, Lauren, you know, with your sort of theatre and you know, TV work, imagine having something that is totally raved by, you know, critics, you know, yeah. for compared to something that sells really well, but people are like, meh, about. Yeah, yeah. You want that success to know that your work is worth. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the album sales are disappointing as such she changes label she goes to parlophone they believe in her and she's given free reign to record her second album 
which is not until 2007. So you wonder, well, we kind of know what she's been doing between them, those years. Shagging and charity work. And her <laughs> job. Oh, yes. Her new job. Oh, which job is this? This is from 2006 to 2011. She was a model booker. Oh, yeah, for Storm models? Storm, yeah. That's right, and London. they were the big model agency. Yeah. But imagine just that total flip, you know? Yeah. And also, she's very model-esque. Herself. I think. I think everyone that works in the modelling industry yeah, is though, aren't they? Right. Yeah. So she's had this sort of job. Because how else is she going to pay the bills? Well, it's a exactly. decent job as well. If, I think if you told anyone, I'm a model booker for Storm, people would be like, you what? Like, another time when it's like, oh... She's never achieved her potential. She was a model booker for Storm. Yeah, yeah. that's quite a big deal. Yeah, you could sell an autobiography off that. Yeah, That's true, that's true. So yeah, she, we get to 2007. And we're working on the album. Go, thank you for that, Karen. You really have done your research this season and it thank pleases you. me. Thank you. I used to feel like <laughs> I was holding up the entire podcast. You're just holding now, it with one hand. Now, I used to feel like I was Siobhan holding up the sugar babes and now, <laughs> cut that. So Ghosts is the second album that we get. And fans, all three of them, really (laughs) regard it as the pinnacle of her career. Almost considered for her, like, why would I do any more? I made the album I wanted. It sounded like I wanted it to sound. I said what I wanted to say. I kind of love that. Not an album I got on board with, but I love the... I, like, I love the feeling of that. I like that she's, if she's happy with it, good for her. I feel the first single, Don't Give It Up, I feel it had a very Muse vibe to it. Oh, did it? Well, well I felt it. It's April 2007 and Don't Give It Up debuts on her MySpace page. Oh, it's oh, so of the time. Blast from the past. Siobhan.com. <laughs> Let's just pitch this scene. It's 2045. We're doing series 26 of the podcast. <laughs> we still haven't done the steps one, we promise. But we're covering, I don't know, Little Mix. But there's no MySpace. It's gone. Instead, we're like, Jessie debuted her single on TikTok. <laughs> Do you think this will be a forgotten media of the time, like TikTok, Instagram? Because like now MySpace is a dead yeah. old thing. Yeah, yeah it so has to be. In five years, people will be like, remember TikTok? Things go really fast. It, you know, Facebook stayed around for longer, but now it's like considered an old people's social media. Right? Yeah. That's yeah. why I keep telling you to move over. To I'm not coming media. to TikTok because I don't want it to be the MySpace of its day. I mean, it's going to be at some point. TikTok is future Dido. <laughs> oh, future Siobhan. <laughs> He's riding the burns. Well, no, Siobhan's don't get it up. Don't give it up. Oh, don't get, don't it, get up. it up the charts either. It gets added to Radio 1 C-list. Okay. Not to be sniffed at, mate. Oh, stop it with that bloody liner. <laughs> but the best praise comes from none other than Mutia herself. Oh, does she? She says... Cat lights. <laughs> no, the cat fights in the spotlights. She cat says... Shortened. When you can't be arsed. Uh, I the think album we should name. just call that an album, Cat Lights, from now on. <laughs> no, Mutia's high praise. She says, it's very different from other genres. Well, that's all she said. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I mean, that was would have been a less funny build-up had we not had the cat lights discussion. I feel like if you want to re-record No, that I'll let that yeah. joke die. I feel we should do that bit about the Pop World interview. We should pop that in. Well, you know, it's, it's a messy podcast. Go for it, babe. Okay, so let's just play a little clip from 2003 from Siobhan on Pop World. Hello. Hello. <laughs> are you alright? You look nervous. Are you okay? It's nervous about you two. Oh, what are you going to oh, cool. quiz me on? <laughs> it's just going to be fun. So what happened with the split? What happened? <laughs> we just want to get out of the way. What yeah. happened with the split? Um, we didn't get on. Everyone knows that, don't they? Um, but you did get on before. So did it suddenly start deteriorating slowly? Yeah, we were just young. I don't know. Oh, I don't know if I would have dealt with it different in ten years' time, but Kind of, I knew I was going to leave for quite a few months. I was just being a coward because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life and kind of got to a point where I weighed up the pros and the cons and that was it. I was well, out. You did um, quite well by seeing them at a club. Did, yeah, I did run into run into Matthew and I spoke to Keisha really briefly at a club and I saw them at the enemy awards. brief. It was me and Keisha that didn't get on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But so there wasn't a big me and Matthew had a really nice chat and I think we, did genuine, we were genuinely sort of pleased to see each other again. It had been like over a year. Were there tears? It's been one. No tears. Laughter? We were laughing. We were kind of like, we'd had good times. It wasn't all bad. Okay, good. It's quite nice to remember that sometimes. Yeah. Okay. So I was bitter for a while. I'm all right yeah. now. Okay. 
first single, Overrated. Yeah. Tell us about that. What's it about? What's the meaning? It does kind of touch on, I suppose, uh, how I, it did make me unhappy, my experience in the Sugar Babes, and talks about me not considering myself particularly religious anymore. And But we wrote, it was kind of one of the latest songs we wrote on the album, and it's sort of essentially a positive song about sort of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. And... I don't remember hearing about this album at the time. So it's 2007. I know where I am musically in 2007. Yeah. Blackout. Britney's Blackout. Yep. I don't remember this at all. Well, the musical landscape is electrical R&B, dance music. Timberland was huge. Oh, Timberland was the biz. Oh, it was... um... Promiscuous. There's no, on a lot of them, there's no real hooks, I didn't feel. No. It's all high pitched, like not high pitches in a bad, but like it's at the top of her range. Uh You can't really sing along to it at work. I feel she needed Timberland there. I feel like that is a bad mood. But what I do feel like, no one is tackling this at karaoke. No. You won't hear Alexander Burt doing this on The X Factor. Yeah, yeah, it was critically acclaimed. It was. Mm hmm. Who are we? I mean, we're just three no. pod- podcasters. I feel like we're the people it would have been aimed at. Yeah. And I wasn't at buying it at this point. Mm. I definitely wasn't, st- I couldn't stream at this point, but maybe I could have YouTubed it. I yeah. didn't remember the singles. This was an album. I, by this point, I tapped out of Siobhan. Yeah. And I loved Revolution in Me. Yeah. But I guess four years. Quite a long time. It was a long time for me to then... I was skint in 2007 as well. Was I really going to go and risk £12 yeah, on a Siobhan you, album? You just finished uni? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of drinking to do. <laughs> Aside from the music, we do get aesthetics, babe. She goes in. So she looks banging in the videos for this. She does. She looks great. I felt it was like she was um, like Florence Welsh light. Yeah, I thought Roisin Murphy vibes I was yes, getting. Yeah. yeah. It's a genuine glow up. Like, never saying she looked bad. No, but she like, looked amazing. Yeah. I didn't realise how even better she could look. Those years at Storm yeah. had really shown her, like, her hair even was just plushous. Yeah. yeah. Plushous. Plushous. It's like plush luscious. Yeah. Like, they felt like there was a lot of it. Yeah. Because I remember in Revolution thinking, oh, she's really cool and trendy. But now when I look back at those, I'm like, oh no, she's just wearing skinny jeans and. Tennis trainer. <laughs> Whereas in uh, this ghost, like she's gone, she's gone like visuals, high fashion, high fashion, high concepts, high vocals, high edit, <laughs> high edit. Oh, so what did we watch the So You Say video? Oh yeah, and it's got there's glass moving about. There's glass moving at the birds. There's going birds. in slow mo slow motion she's in some prison. At that then that point, like she takes, she's following this guy in a hoodie. And then it's some kind of sci-fi. There's like lights coming out his face, and yeah. then she decides to snog him. It's it's an interesting concept. Snog, snog. It was two thousand and seven. We still snogged in two thousand and seven. Yeah. <sighs> well, the public didn't love it, or like me, they didn't know about it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that maybe more people would have liked it if they had known about it. But I suppose you got MySpace, so that is the beginning of being able to find it. Yeah. Maybe that was a smart move. It got to number 45, the single, Don't Give It Up. Right. So You Say follows in the June. And she did give it up. Well, I know we literally just said she'd gone super trendy. Can I show you the cover of this single? Yes. I'll put it in the lookbook. On Patreon. So this is the single cover for So You Say. You need to turn your brightness up, Erin. Oh, for goodness sake. I'm trying to save my battery. Oh, jeez. Oh, she's essentially in a bra with like absolutely enormous hair. Sheer tights, some sort of fruffy vagina muff <laughs> in a chair. And like the album, so there's the album just below. She's like in a full high neck. It's very Mary Queen of Scots. Are you just saying that because she's a red haired woman? No, this, this one. Yeah. Oh, yeah, That's, that one. So the album cover for Ghost, she's in the same chair, I think. Yeah. And it's she's holding this cup of tea. It's sort of weirdly upside down. You can't picture the angles. And she's in a dress that's high collared. Like, it's very high concept, high fashion, high vocal, high edit. I mean, I'm kind of into it. The 
the I mean, to the album cover, the single cover, why did they go, take off the dress? Yeah, I don't know. It feels a bit lazy. It seems a bit sexualized. Just OTT. I, it didn't It didn't make sense to me. No. But maybe they went, look, Siobhan, we've it got to try and sell something. just put tons of eyeshadow on, put tons of hairspray in your hair, and then just take your dress off. And she doesn't need any of that. But also, I suppose we need to respect the fact that she may have wanted this look, and that's absolutely fine. That's oh, yeah, great fine. if she did, but I don't feel like that's the Siobhan I know. Yeah. But maybe that's what she was trying to do. Yeah. You know, she was trying to stand out from the crowd. But I mean, at least we are getting budgets on these videos. Parlophone with the big bucks. Yeah, that's true. It's more budget than she's probably ever had on any of the other stuff, right? Yeah. I have a controversial theory okay. about Siobhan's success. Okay. I think it's her voice. Okay. It's beautiful. It is. It's haunting. It makes sense for a title, Ghost. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it's very pop or radio. Right. When I listen to Ghosts, the album in particular, mm. I take a while to figure out the words or find something to latch onto lyrically yeah. or melodically. Yeah. Like it's challenging. Mm. Yeah. Which is fine in an album. Yeah. Which is why I think I was able to enjoy the first album because I had it and I was investing in it. But that's hard to get traction on a single. Yeah. But in the band with other two other distinct voices that are like breaking it up, I'd maybe argue Keisha's a much more mainstream voice. She d- yeah. Go. But do you Nobody think the same with Florence and the Machine? I think she has a very distinctive voice, but I feel like her band also drive right. her commercially. And also her songs have genuine choruses you remember. Yeah. High quality songwriting. But do you not think that Florence... Oh, you know, she, she could have gone down this path. She definitely. could have as well. I think it's if she just had a bit stronger songs she seems to be stuck in a no man's land to me they were trying to appeal to the initial sugar babes mainstream audience but actually do you think they were she all? was i don't know no. I well think... and maybe i think as a label they were yeah but she's not but she's not that's my point is that it's actually but she wanted to be something a bit more original kind of indie if she'd had a really good band behind her yeah. or even had a, a collaboration with someone else yeah you know, further down the line, when you see who other people in the Sugar Babes collaborate with, you know, musically, you think, where was that option well, for I her? think it is a difficult time. So this is what she said in an open letter to her fans on her website. Okay. Do you remember when people used to do that? For the two people that read it. Exactly, her. right? She says, I think it would be Im- impossible for me to never make a record again. I just couldn't do that. But to say to the fans that I'm actively, worth- actively working on a new album when I'm not would be unfair. So this is after the album. But what she says next, I think, relates to what we're talking about. One thing everyone has to realise is that being an underground left-field artist used to pay the bills. But in this age of the music industry, it is impossible. I'm not a kid anymore. I'm looking over the next few years to getting a house and having a family of my own. I need to pay the bills. It feels totally liberating not to be beating down a record company door with another amazing album that they just yawn at. Humble. I get the feeling that we wouldn't have had the great music from the past if record company folk were such lazy idiots as they are so clearly now. Ooh, it's shots all, fired. Right? It's also an age for Big Brother, X Factor, Dancing on Ice. You get my drift? I'm fighting a losing battle. People want scandal and addiction. They want a record thrown together in two weeks by 12 writers. I feel I need this to blow over. To see what the industry does next is ultimately the artists hold the power and good music will win through. The last thing I want to do now is write my best work for it to go underground. You know, well said, really. I think she's, you know, she was she's almost... allowed to say that album's great, though. Those albums are great because they have been critically acclaimed. So well, and she believed in them herself, and good yeah. for her. But she makes complete good points. Like she was like, "I'm throwing myself into get putting work out there, and it's just not being appreciated." You know, so. Beyonce said something similar about artists that just produce album after album, and I think at the time, and I know things have changed slightly. But I think at the time it was a dig to Rihanna, who at the time was producing pop album after pop album. Although Rihanna's stuff now is obviously, I think, is great. Rihanna's stuff now. She hasn't released anything for eight years. She had the. She hasn't released an album for like six years. No, she had Auntie. Yeah, it's like two thousand fourteen. Oh wow. 
Okay, but... I may I, be completely wrong, but it's definitely been a long time. Rihanna fans are thirsty. She's Well, yeah, but she's been... She's a businesswoman now. Isn't yeah, she? I have a lot more respect for Rihanna, but at the time, I felt that she was chucking album after album after yeah, album. Yeah, she definitely was doing one a year for about yeah, six or seven Yeah, and it was like exhausting. This. It was like, yeah. you know, I, I kind of felt like things weren't going... Although they were success, you know, commercial successes, I felt it was almost disingenuous of what I knew Rihanna as before. But definitely yeah. what Siobhan would have had to do in The Sugar Babes. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, respect to her. I think there's a comparison here to Taylor Swift's folklore. Oh, interesting. So, this is a new style for Taylor Swift. She's putting on an indie artist coat. Yeah. But she's and not got the pressure of the Grammys anymore. No, but... Well, let's not get into that. It's interesting that she can do this album and it can be listened worldwide and be appreciated for what it is as an album. Yeah. It's almost like she gets a pass because she's reached such a level of fame. Yeah, she's reached now, like proper, yeah. And she's had to pay her dues to get there. She's had to do a lot of the other stuff to get to that point. Yeah. But now she can do the work she wants to do. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, that's where major success gives you a freedom of sorts. We do get one brilliant excuse for why the album didn't sell. Right. The album was the subject of a manufacturing error just prior to its release, with Donahue later confirming, when Ghost came out, it didn't go onto a new release shelf in any shop because it got delivered and there'd been a mistake on the production line. And I've never heard the music that was on the CDs, but it wasn't my album. So when the stores were told about it, the album was taken off the shelves and taken back. And then by the time it was ready... A lot of the stores didn't take it back. Sounds they a bit like a MKS line further down. Well, I'm wondering where Tom in marketing was then at yeah, this point. Was Ted, it a bitter Ted. move? Ted in marketing, was it a bitter move on his part? Sabotage. Sabotage. But you know what? Something like that, small like that happening, it could that, destroy a career. It's true. Like, sure, things were online at that point, but it's people were still buying physical, physical things. But there was a bit of conflict, wasn't it, about how you were going, how people were going to choose who's who sold what essentially because mm. they were they were counting yeah. downloads. But I think it was separate. And yes, yeah, so at that point, people were like, "Oh, do we need to start looking at downloads?" And now? of course, you had yeah. Spotify starting around two thousand and seven, so streaming wasn't counted. Was that 2007? Yes, was I it? remember the cocaine adverts on it. Do you remember? It was about, they had the adverts on Spotify and it was basically this big booming voice telling you not to take coke. <laughs> oh. I had early Spotify. Right. Go you. I was on Wii 7. What the hell was that? It was like an early Spotify. Ah. It was free at the time. So she's taking a pause from music. She's done with music for a bit. We do get a bit of a career as a DJ. I mean, why not? Okay. Yeah. Doing a, do bit of a, doing a bit of a Mel C. She did it before Mel C. She Whoa. told Mel C to do it. Then she goes the classic route. She pops up in a musical. She does Rent in 2008. Very good reviews. Well, which reviews were you reading? Oh, maybe it was a Daily Mail. <laughs> well, to be... <laughs> your fan fiction again. <laughs> to be correct, it was Rent Remixed. Right, okay. So, I mean, this is very good for COVID-19. Yeah. Because it's a minimalist approach. Right. We're going to see a lot of this so going it was forward. A, it, was a, it was like a concert musical. It, there wasn't like set and stuff. Four musicians in the pit and supporting cast of seven. So when I say oh. minimalist, I mean oh, cast okay. minimalist. Wow. Yeah. Well, with Denise Van Outen, I mean, that's a pretty big name. Seven people, of which Siobhan is one. It's nearly 10% of the musical. But that means she could hold her own, maybe. Yeah. I know, yeah, I'm, not, yeah. I'm not dissing, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one else gets to be that. So yeah. you're right, she is alongside Denise Van Outen. The musical director is Steve Anderson, who's maybe best known for his work as a producer for Kylie Minogue. So it's pop. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it is London West End. Duke York's Theatre. Is that proper West End? That's proper West End. Yeah. Yeah. October 2007 for five months. So only ran for hard months, but that's still hard. I don't know whether it was meant to run longer. I'm not Mm. sure. Her debut in a lead role is on the West End. That's a pretty big deal, man. Yeah. Well, some of the reviews were more Fever Forever than Mamma Mia. Oh. Guardian gave it one star. Ooh. And called it a grisly synthetic pseudo-pop concert with no particular roots or identity. Ouch. Although none of this is at Siobhan. Like, on Siobhan herself, they say, Siobhan Donaghy as Mimi also sings pleasantly and reveals a nifty pair of pins. Oh, come on. 2007, mate. Jesus. He's never say that about a guy. He oh. looked like he had an appealing bulge in his trousers. <laughs> <laughs> what do I mean? Pecs were... 
pop invincible under that shirt. And the fact that they were like, oh, she sang all right, and uh, her legs were nice, so yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Cracking pins, though, I have to say. I mean, she looks amazing, don't gonna lie. Well, that's how she got the job when she was on the cover of So You Say in a red bra and a glossy tights. The characters in Baker's updated version now inhabit a white-walled, perspex-screened, skeletal-doored world that shrieks Manhattan chic. If this is rayfish bohemian poverty, I wouldn't mind some of it. I think it's it's Don't more really critical. I think the reviews are more critical of the what format, they've done to the rent en- the entire thing, rather yeah. than the cast or yep, anything. Yeah, just feels like a bit of a misstep. It just sounds like they were like, let's just do an excuse to get all of these kind of pop stars on a stage and sing these yeah. songs like they hadn't really thought past actually telling of the story wasn't there yeah. well Denise Van Outen isn't a pop star she had a hit with Johnny Vegas not Johnny Vegas what's the other one Johnny Johnny Vaughn Vaughn I wouldn't call her a pop star it was nominated for record of the year especially for you yeah that's right when was that <laughs> Oh, I think they lost out. To, I think they might have lost out to "Don't Stop Moving" by Sub Seven. So yeah. Oh wow! You learn is. a new thing every day, guys. There you go. Because if I knew that without research, <laughs> oh god, who knew I was Amateurs. a out instead all of a sudden. Well, after this, Siobhan manages to sign another deal with Emmy in two thousand and nine. So you know, like we're talking about, oh, underachievers. Like she, oh, she never really she's hit it. She's a hustler, man. She's hustler, babe. Yeah, yeah she's yeah, full on hustler. Yeah. You probably put her in the same box as like Michelle Stevenson as a missed out because she missed yeah, out on the sugar bed. Yeah. She had three record deals. She released two solo albums. She had a hit. She released songs. She had a critically acclaimed <laughs> two albums. Yes, that's how you would pitch it. That's not to be sniffed at. Oh, she's <laughs> on board. Well, we never get the solo album. It doesn't materialise. But I imagine that's because MKS come back together in 2011 under Emmy. Right. So yes. it probably makes more sense. Yep. Now, there are some gaps in this timeline, of course, where she goes and works in fashion, as you've said. Mm-hmm. And the other big thing is she gets married. In 2013, oh. to Chris McCoy in a private ceremony. He's, what's Chris McCoy do? We don't know. Yeah, he's just a pleb. That's a thing. She also has a child as well. I didn't write that down, but I heard about that through something. We can't even do a wedding dress breakdown, Lauren. I know oh, you do love no, those. Oh, I love those. Because they didn't sell their wedding to a magazine. I believe I have photos. Oh. If we do, I'll, we can put them on the Patreon and yeah. do that full breakdown. I okay. believe so. Oh, well, I but I mean, to be I, confirmed or denied. Yeah, but I mean, okay, respect to her if she just decided, I want to get married and have a kid and live a kind of normal life. Well, she does. I, I think it's a happy ending to this podcast story because both original babes are in attendance at the small private ceremony. That's Which nice. I think is a big step. That is a huge step. Well, they are together by then. Yes. But so it's a lovely rounded... I don't think like feel like the Siobhan story ends sadly. No, it doesn't. Now at this point in time, it doesn't end sadly. Like, like yeah, we don't have the MKS Sugar Babes album, or she hasn't gone on to have that huge commercial success. But I feel like she's had a good, nice life, and yeah. she's got exciting stories to tell her child, Ford Charles McCoy. Ford. I said Charles. I meant Charles. I'm very tired. Um, Ford Charles McCoy. Ford. I quite like that. It's quite cool. Ford. It's not very Irish, is it? No. McCoy is. Do we think he is? Oh, but that could be Scottish. McCoy Scottish. Yeah. It's both the same. Let's be real, guys. Oh, oh At some God. point you were joined. So that brings us to the end of the episode. At uh, the end of every episode of series one, we were seeing whether their Spice Girls names were appropriate. Uh-huh. I propose that we give these sugar mamas sugar names. Okay. <laughs> yes. See what they would be. Okay. So what I propose maybe for Siobhan, mm. I think people would say underachieve babe, potential babe. Yeah. I don't like it. Okay. I feel like she has achieved a lot and it's just these weird standards that we set up. Yeah. I wonder whether we go critical babe. Yeah, okay. Critical success babe. Critically acclaimed babe. Chris just not in red. Claims, yeah. But they weren't slagging her. No, Here's she had like... lovely pins. Oh, God. I, yeah, I think critically acclaimed, babe. I think as we go on to talk about the others, you'll find that that, you know, she's the pinnacle, really, of success in terms of solo. Yeah. Just <laughs> because there is no solo for anyone else. 
Exactly. So she's the critically acclaimed. Yet somehow we drag a series. Not drag, actually. There's a lot to say. There's yeah, no drag. Talk for yourself. You're the one that wrote the script. <laughs> <laughs> right. Shall we record the end of this before you flapped up? Yes. I've got 11%. That is like a Siobhan in a musical. <laughs> That's what's left in the tank at the end okay, of the recording an album. It's critical, babe, what we're going with. Are you bringing anything else to this table? Laura is clearly to... hungry. I'm. I was going to say potential, babe, because I felt like she did have a lot of potential. I don't know if it was ever fully realised. That's really sad, isn't it? No, it's not, because she was critically acclaimed. I just don't want her to listen to this and be sad. Yeah. How about, is your school big, babe? (laughs) Grande, babe. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Spanish, babe. Spanish, babe. She did one song in Spanish, which let that go. Red bra, babe. Red bra, babe. Critical potential, babe, like as a hyphen. Yeah. It's not potential, yeah. though, because she got it. Okay, she crit- is critically acclaimed. acclaimed babe. Times two. It's times two. Well, with our battery. Your battery is low. You have 21 minutes of battery life left. I've got like, 21 minutes to go. <laughs> got 21 minutes, minutes to go. go. That's the end there. So when we come back, we will be looking at the Sugar Babes going in to the beginning of their most successful period with their first number one, Freak Like Me. And we will also be covering the solo career of one Miss Heidi Range. Remember to subscribe, like, share with your friends. And of course, come support us at our Patreon. Sugar Patreon. Sugar Patreon. Yeah, so we're on Patreon at Pod to the Pops, if you just type that in. Come see us, come hang out, and come view some exclusive content. Don't be a Siobhan. Come back for the next episode. (laughs) I think that's great! Do what is good for you. Yeah. I can't count when I'm breathing, and that works for some people. Getting you through sets as a PT. I know, we kept going, how many sets we've done? I don't know where. Well, I'm not your PT. Give yourself the role. I didn't ask. I pressed... Uh, record back since sorry when we started well that's fine that could be you know extra <laughs> <laughs>